Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted. On this episode, we talk with Michael Mertocci. Michael is the CEO and founder of SwagUp. Uh, and Mike's story is one that's super interesting. It, it is, it's very rare to come across someone uh, that has a journey like him. He started off as a kid who just really liked entrepreneurship, really liked to sell stuff. He was really strange in that regard. And then it kind of just you know stuck with him his whole life. He uh, went to college, uh, ended up realizing it wasn't for him. After a little while, he dropped out. Somehow ended up you know collabing with a, a former uh, NFL Giants player. They were you know working together on a bunch of stuff, and then Mike left that, started working at a venture capital firm, and then eventually uh, started Swag Up. Um, you know out of a need that that he just saw in the marketplace. This business is only a couple years old, if that, and. You you know they're doing seven figures in uh, in sales, uh, set to do eight figures uh, this year in 2019. So it's just a really cool story, really interesting to to watch how this happened. And I think that you know listening to Michael, you kind of see just what kind of person he is and how stuff like that can be possible. I mean, he's had Gary Vaynerchuk send a video to his mom essentially saying that, you know, he thinks Michael can drop out and and be ready for the world. He's hung out with Richard Branson um, all while he's, at the time of this recording, uh, 23, now he's 24. But yeah, really cool guy, a ton of value being dropped throughout this entire episode. I learned a lot. And I hope you guys do as well. The one issue was that there we did a we had a really long episode the first time. It was like an hour and a half, but the second part got uh, or the second half got um cut out of the recording. So we ended up doing this in two takes on two separate days. So the second uh, part two will be out. Uh, feel free to check that out. Really hope you guys enjoyed. Here it goes. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Today we have Mike Martocci, the nice. founder and CEO of SwagUp. We're going to be talking to him about his entrepreneurial journey, you know, where he is right now with the company, um, you know, what's on the horizon, uh, pretty much everything like that. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Mike. Talk a little bit, a little bit about, you know, your background, how you got involved in entrepreneurship. Um, I know that that's something that you're really passionate about pretty much your whole life. Um, so kind of bring us up to speed, kind of briefly on like your background and then, um, you know, how you got to, to this point. Yeah, for sure. First off, thanks for having me and finding me on, uh, discovering me on LinkedIn. I, right. Is that, is that what you found yeah, me yeah, initially? For sure. Yeah. I love LinkedIn. It's so good, but, um, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've always, always been super entrepreneurial ever since the, you know, I think like four or five years old, ever since I could walk really. Um, there's this really good picture I have on my Facebook where, um, you know, I was selling stuff outside my house. I had this little stand. I'm like a four year old kid, like, no shirt off on the phone i always joke i'm like oh i'm on the phone with the suppliers and stuff <laughs> and you know basically would just take anything i could find in my house you know that my parents had bought and just kind of resell it <laughs> outside yeah. the front and you know there was a lemonade obviously but there was like yogurt and there was fruit and there was tissues and just anything i mean it's pretty crappy business i mean it's a good business model because my cost was was zero yeah you know so you, you can't lose Selling outside uh, is in like literally anyone on the street who just yeah, walking yeah, just by out, out in front on the sidewalk, wow. you know, and it kind of would evolve over time into like, I did like a little baseball card stand. Um, cause I, I got really into baseball cards, mm-hmm. um, like eight, nine, 10 years old. I, I would, it was like right when YouTube was starting and one of the early like uses for YouTube was people opening up their baseball cards. Um, 
and it was like a weird thing. There was like unboxing videos and people would just like watch them. They'd get, you know, there was like this little community within um, YouTube. And I, I, I'm pissed that I didn't stick to it because at the time, like YouTube was just getting going. And if I would have, yeah. I made a few videos, but then I deleted my account because I was kind of embarrassed that I was like <laughs> opening baseball cards on YouTube and people were finding out about yeah. it. Yeah. Do people make fun of you for it or? Like my sister and stuff. Okay. Right? So but it's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't get too, too public, but. My account used to be called Dogs Fifty Five. It was like D A W G Z five five because um, I my nickname in like baseball was Bulldog. But yeah, um, why is that? It's cause I was the catcher and I was like really tough. You know, I'd get hit all the time and like take a lot of beatings and you know, a lot of balls hitting like down in the in the dirt and yeah. like just so you know just took it on the chin all the time. But um, yeah, I always loved baseball cards. I always loved, and then it kind of transcended into like eBay. I got into eBay mm-hmm. a little bit and like. I would just like sell anything. Like I liked money a lot. Like as yeah. a kid, like I, there's a lot of kids that just like being kids. But I, I had always wanted to be like a grown up. Like I always, <laughs> I was always ready to like, like I always felt a disconnect between me and like the, the other kids and my friends. You know, I, I was always the type of person that would talk to their parents at parties, or I'd go to their house and I'm a ten year old talking to their thirty five year old mom about like things and their dad about like what they do at work and like yeah. reading the newspaper. I was always it's like really kind of. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. It was really weird. And everybody knew that. Like, every parent knew that about me. Like, they, we had, like, very, like, normal conversations that, like, people don't usually have with, like, their son's friends when they're, like, in fifth and sixth and seventh grade, you know? So, yeah, and I, I always loved, like, the games, you know, the computer games where you'd sell stuff like Lemonade Tycoon and yeah. Roller Coaster Tycoon and all those types of things. Like, I was never into, I always liked sports, but I, I didn't like things that were, seemed like a waste of time at the time. And, mm-hmm. um, so maybe I missed out on some things as a child, but like I've like I, it continues to today. I feel like I continually am like years behind uh, ahead of people. Not not that it's bad or good, but like in a business sense, like I've always been thinking like much more like mature. I think, um, which has really helped me. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and that's you know super interesting. It's it's pretty rare for for kids to uh, to do that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's definitely <laughs> there's a picture, another picture of me. I'm sitting like in overalls on my porch, just reading like the the New York Times. I think it was <laughs> I think it's upside down, so yeah. I don't even know what I'm looking at. But it's just like funny pictures like that that like you know <laughs> just so kind of foreshadow what's to come a little bit. Yeah, I mean I don't. I've, I don't think I've ever read, like, the New York Times, like, actual <laughs> newspaper before, so. I love newspapers. I, I like reading a lot. Yeah. That's why downstairs here I have the, the library underneath the television with a lot of good books. And yeah, you read physical copies pretty much? That's yeah, I just started getting into audiobooks a little bit. Yeah. Um, I tried, I read the, e- oh, I listened to the E-Myth Revisited. That was one of the first ones that I listened on, on the audiobook. And then I listened to Powerful okay. by, um. It was the woman that ran like HR at Netflix. Okay, that was, that was a really good book. But but yeah, I'm, I'm mostly into reading physical books because I like to highlight and underline things as I read and write little notes and stuff. Yeah. But I feel like I can't remember anything anyway, so I don't know why I read books yeah. so much. Yeah, I mean, I think I I like read this uh, or heard this quote from someone. I think it was like someone on NPR or something. They were like, "If I read a book, I remember like five percent, and that's, that's like you need, enough." Though. Yeah, exactly. you just need that one powerful. Every yeah. book it just has like one argument that they're trying to prove yeah. the whole time, really. Unless you read something like Tools of Titans from like Tim Ferriss yeah, or something, yeah. but every like normal book has like a main takeaway. So as long as long as you figure that out, yeah, basically it. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, you, know, you just read a lot. 
Sorry? Do you read a lot? Yeah, I um, I, I used to read a lot as a kid, and then I completely stopped. Like, in high school, I think I read, like, one book a year, if that. Like, nonfiction as a kid? Um, like, Harry Potter type stuff? I read a lot of fiction, yeah. I like fantasy a lot. Like, kind of, I don't know, like, uh, like stuff that reminded me, like, is similar to Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Um, everything with like dragons. Percy Harvin's, like, uh, uh, dragons or whatever. Like, the, um, or, like, the Warriors series. Percy Jackson, that's what I was going to say, not Percy Oh, Harvin. yeah, Percy He's Jackson. Yeah. Player. I think I read part of that. I read, like, the the aragon series yeah, yeah, I've heard um i never i hated books growing up yeah i hate especially fiction even to this day like i never read fiction i don't, really? I don't even own i have one fiction book downstairs it's the martian okay wow um and that's it but and, and i read half of it like on a flight once but i don't know i'm i i gotta get out of this mentality but i, I just like books take so long for me to finish yeah and it's like i don't i want to continue to learn and evolve yeah and get better and it's like i I don't want to spend five hours reading like a story, even though there, you can take a lot of lessons mm-hmm. out of like reading stories and like kind of getting yourself out of your you know, comfort zone into a new world, a new perspective. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there's a lot of value in that, but I don't know. I, there's just still so much knowledge too to soak up. So there, yeah, you know, it does. It never falls like at the top of the priorities for, you know, reading for me. I'd say I was, I mean, I was pretty much the exact same way with books. Cause I got back into reading like a couple years ago and I just read strictly nonfiction. Um, just because, you know, I was like, there's there's so many nonfiction books I want to read. You know, there's a ton of stuff I want to learn. I might like as a well. book addict. Yeah, and it's like every every week or every time I finish another, like a book, I needed something else to like learn about. And then I was kind of thinking about it one day, and I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just check out some fiction. Um, just to kind of, it's, because nonfiction books are like very serious. You know, you're in there, like your mindset is, you're you're trying to like get some new information. But when you're reading yeah. fiction, it's more like, you're just, you know, you're just letting your mind kind of like wander. Yeah. It's, it's like soothing. It's like, it's like watching a movie as opposed to watch, like watching like a, you know, like a, like a lecture or something like that. Um, but I'm, so I started recently, like started doing both, but in terms of, um, like stuff I watch, like I am similar to you. I'm like addicted to only watching like educational content. Like I can't, I can't like go on YouTube and watch something that's Once like, in a while, I like find myself watching like car videos and stuff because yeah. I love cars. But besides that, like, yeah, I don't, I, I rarely ever watch like movies or just like straight television. Yeah, you know, I don't even sure. have like a TV in my room and barely have it ever on. But mm-hmm. yeah, if if I'm, it, I'm just like super busy during the day, and like the the, a lot of people would say, oh, like the time they have off, like they just want to relax and like let their mind yeah. decompress. But I don't know, I always want to learn. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm, I mean, for sure. I, I think that it's good, but also, like, sometimes it's just it's just too much. You know, I feel like... Yeah, you hit a wall at some point. Yeah. You're like, you got to just, like, you take need a, days like, off, like, watch The Incredibles or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think I, I watched, like, The Bachelor a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and I was like, I kind of needed that. Like, I've never yeah. seen it before, but I watched, like, the the or part of like the first episode and i was that, like wow that was that's like, like the kardashians it's like your way to escape yeah, the world yeah. like you just like wow this is so stupid like this is great. yeah you just kind of laugh like enjoy just the fact that it's happening um and then just get back <laughs> into your life um but that's awesome and so kind of i'll let i'll let it turn over to you again um can you tell us a little about uh, what swag up is you know why you started this like what was it about this particular mission that you know was so compelling to you that you decided to mm-hmm. uh go and start this company um, and then also a quick background, um, since, you know, you, you started this super young, you're like 20, 23 years old, yeah, 24. 23. I'll be 24 on Sunday. Oh, wow. Happy yeah. early birthday, man. January 20th. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, you're a really young guy. You've been running this company for a couple of years now. Uh, and it's, I think it's also like important to note the fact that you like dropped out of uh, William and Mary, right? Yeah. Just yeah. Like, it's not a direct route to like getting to this company by any means. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like I just had a passion for like swag or printing or, or mm -hmm. anything like that. I, I you know, growing up, I never knew anything about it. I always wanted to be in finance. You know, I, okay. that was, that was the plan. I, you know, my, my mom, worked at Morgan Stanley for 32 years. She's still there. Um, and her boyfriend is one of the top financial advisors in, in New Jersey and probably the country. Wow. And so they got together when I was around 12 or, or so. So that was like a pivotal time for me because, you know, starting to get into high school and kind of thinking about college after that point and, you know, his influence and seeing his success and stuff like that made me think that that's what I wanted, you know, made me think that that's what I wanted to do. And, I got really, in, and I, I still love stock, the stock market and investing and finance. Yeah. And, you know, one of my favorite books down there is called The Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's it's just a book that you can apply to anything in life and just any sort of investments that you ever make, um, whether it's in stocks or it's in people or it's in businesses or, you know, and Artem over there will laugh because I didn't really heed any of the wisdom of it during like, you know, cryptocurrency mania. <laughs> <laughs> I got greedy and lost probably like a hundred thousand dollars but <laughs> wow yeah i mean i i lost money wasn't wasn't that much but yeah. I it, it wasn't I, I don't think it lost on <laughs> i get got up to like ninety thousand at some point i i don't know i don't remember how much i put back in but it's probably worth like fifteen thousand or something now so yeah i try um, not to look at uh those accounts for what, yeah, yeah for now. It's, <laughs> to me now it's like a it's like a little lottery ticket that's in the yeah, back and if it you never if know i mean happens, bitcoin might hit a million <laughs> i don't know no one knows yeah um, I, don't, I don't know but <laughs> But yeah, so I, I had always thought that finance was for me and I was like on this track to become like a wealth manager. Or, you know, I was, you know, when I went to, I went to William & Mary kind of, it wasn't really my first choice. I wanted to go to University of North Carolina, uh, Chapel Hill. Yeah. yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, that's crazy. I just always liked yeah. that school. I don't know what it was about it. It was the, the colors and being in North Carolina and the fact that, you know, the sports were great and just seemed like a great balance of everything. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Stanford. I like Stanford a lot too. Mm -hmm. Um but for some reason I didn't get in. And I think it was partly because I was um, like very stubborn. Like I didn't want to do the extracurriculars. I didn't want to like meet the requirements and take the language classes and yeah. take the science classes just because they say that it's a requirement. Cause I was like, if I don't want to take chemistry, I'm not just going to take chemistry to get into your college. Yeah. You know? So I think stuff like that made me not get into some of the schools I wanted yeah. to. I feel like William and Mary though is, is probably ranked better than yeah, UC, it, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like I don't know, like the twenty something top school in the country. It's it's really good. And it yeah. probably would have been even better if they weren't in the South because they they uh took the, the losing side of the civil war and lost a lot of money. They invested all their money in like Confederate war bonds. So oh, wow. Because they were the second oldest school and them and Harvard were like neck and neck the whole time for you know, the sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteen hundreds. And then the, the Civil War kind of bankrupted them and they could never catch up, you know, with the endowment and everything. But but yeah, it was a really cool school. You know, lots of history in Colonial Williamsburg. And I, I was, you know, super proactive as a as a freshman there to get into the whole financial world. You know, I was one of the first people to like join the investment club and yeah. go to they had like this big annual uh, conference every year there for finance where they brought people from like Wall Street in and you know, like the founder of Guggenheim Partners was there because he went to our school and some other people like uh, the guy who started Leg Mason. Um, so I, I would go to all these things and I would, I, I started to become like a, a board member on the the stock club and I got into like an early program to, to get into 
like the finance program bef- as a sophomore when mm-hmm. you're supposed to wait till you're a junior. Oh, wow. So I was really into it. And I, I had my own stock portfolio on the side. You know, I had some Scott trade stuff and then Robinhood <laughs> eventually. Trade. Yeah, Scott trade. First I was, <laughs> with, was e- I was with E-Trade and then Scott trade was a little cheaper. So is, I switched. Is Scott trade like still a thing? I don't know. I think like companies like Robinhood are just crushing them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it did pretty good. Like I had some good investments in like JetBlue and, um, and Ford and some other ones, but it, it's still interesting. You know, I, I still yeah. like finance and stocks and all that kind yeah. of stuff, but it's funny. Like I, you get so wrapped up in the stock market and like looking at it every day. Oh, hundred percent. And then when you remove yourself from it, you realize it's how like inconsequential it is. And like everything, every day is just the same. It goes up, it goes down. Yeah. Some days it goes up more than the other days, but it's not that important, you know? And, and then I started to realize, you know, the the allure of finance is it's really more just like a, a prestige thing and it's like so that you can tell other people that hey i work for yeah goldman sachs but do the people there actually enjoy it and like were they actually like caring about their career and, and yeah and, you know and, and i and i just felt like the people that did it didn't you know i think they did it for the wrong reasons like people were getting into these especially i think like for ki- people who grow up like in the tri-state area um like you know new york new jersey connecticut i think that like you know, you're, everyone comes to New York and, you know, the top industry there is finance, you know, everyone, like not everyone, but, you know, most of the successful people are on Wall Street or, you know, mm-hmm. managing money. And that's like kind of what you have um, to look up to if yeah. you grow up around here. So and it's I changing think, now. Yeah. Because I, I just saw a stat that I think it was like 2013 or 14 venture capital investment in New York was at 4 billion. Okay. And this wow. year is at last year was at 18 billion. So yeah. It's almost we're five we're second, right? Right, yeah, right this is, Silicon is Valley. quickly becoming, you know, the place to start a company. Yeah. You know, there's so many great companies like Managed by Q and WeWork and, you know, yeah. lo- lots of really good companies. And so, so, so that's interesting. But yeah, like I, Gary Vee says stuff like this, that like, you know, your parents kind of wrap their self-esteem around like what career you take on, what school you went to. Oh, my son is from Harvard and <laughs> my, my son got a job at JP Morgan. Like, but they don't if they really love you, they should care about like your happiness and like you doing things that you're passionate about yeah. and not things that make them look good at, to their friends. Yeah. Like when they go, what did your parents say when, uh, when you told them you're like leaving school and kind of going to go and do, uh, do your own. Or yeah. Like- I mean, I, I had ever since freshman year, I would say stuff like I'm dropping out or yeah. you know, college isn't for me. Like I don't want to do this. And it's not because I was bad at it. Like I had really good grades. It's just like, it didn't seem like the most effective use of time mm-hmm. given where I wanted to go. Um, so I would say stuff like it all the time, but, I, I never really thought it was a reality. Like I didn't think of it as a, a viable solution just because I knew how much my mom really wanted me to be at school. Cause she's, you know, like I said, she's been at Morgan Stanley for 32 years. She had kind yeah. of an idea of where she wanted me to be. You know, she was always helping me get internships at, in, and financial firms. Like I worked at a hedge fund as a freshman. Wow. Like, yeah, I was doing a lot of interesting stuff and she was going out of her way to do like set these things up for me and, and, and then when she heard that I didn't really want to be in finance anymore, and then beyond beyond that, like I would want to get out of school, and it, it kind of hurt her a bit. And um, so I I knew asking her for permission to leave school was never going to work. So that's when I just kind of just did it and just dropped out and without really telling her. And then I got home and you know I just I drove to school, I signed the papers and filled out the form and did an exit interview and dropped out. And then I went back home and told her and and that was it. And she she you know, she was super upset about it. My dad, he didn't really care too much. He's uh <laughs> he's more of an entrepreneurial person. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he started his own company. He's, he's always been starting businesses. Um, so he, he, 
I mean, he knew the type of person that I was, that I was going to figure something out and that, you know, deep down I was, I was an entrepreneur. So, and what's interesting now is my mom has kind of flipped the script a little bit and started her own business. Oh yeah. What um, kind? She has a, a salon with one of her childhood friends. Nice. So, so they're starting to do pretty well. Not like but a passion it, that she's had for a while or something? No, no? She, she knows nothing about salons. <laughs> I think it was just like, she saw, I think she got inspired by me a bit. You know, because she had had this mentality of what life is supposed to be and you're supposed to, you know, work hard and get a good job and pay your bills and raise a family and all that kind of stuff. And she was in a a different situation than me. I mean, her parents didn't really have much money. She finally, like, created a a life for herself and allowed allowed us to kind of thrive. And and now I'm in a different position. Like, I I was afforded a better lifestyle than she was when she was a, a kid and that affords me more optionality. Like, I can be something more than what she could be. She couldn't even think about like going after her dreams and doing all this crazy thing. She needed to make sure that she was going to like make a living and have kids and all that kind of stuff. So now, you know, I'm going to, I have much more flexibility and, and much more kind of potential, not because of intellect or innate potential, just because the opportunities are afforded to me. So, um, so yeah, dropping out of school for her was, wasn't great, but I, you know, I think looking back at it, she really, understands it and appreciates it now i think she wants me to go back at some point and just give her the degree yeah you know hopefully at one point i'll get so big that they'll just give me a degree as a like honorary kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah like, maybe like a doctorate zuckerberg. or something yeah like like mark zuckerberg where they just like hey come speak and we'll give you a degree yeah um but but yeah um i don't i don't want to keep rambling on to yeah you can get into swag up but but college college was an interesting time like where because it was the first place that i started like somewhat legitimate business you know me and my buddy we started an app um to it was basically like a location-based social network you know everybody okay. i feel like everybody tries to make every, this app. <laughs> yeah. every every kid that you yeah know, like every just every kid that knows nothing about technology and just is like oh i want to build an app i want to i want to play basketball with my buddies at the yeah park i want to know who's gonna get food yeah, i want to know who's yeah. going to the parties like yeah in an ideal world in a utopian society it's a great idea you have to build a, a network effect. You have to build an app that provides value to people on a one-to-one basis so that you can build up enough users to ever like get the results and ever get people to actually use it and, and benefit from it. So kind of went nowhere, but that's, it was my step into custom printing some like through a, a series of events mm-hmm. um, because we wanted to do um, like custom flags because we had, you know, like barstool sports. Yeah. So they do custom flags all over like campuses around the country. Like that was like they would run these big parties at, at campuses and, and you would go to the, you know, an event and they had their flag all up in people's dorms and, and all up. And so we wanted to create custom flags and and buying them in America was like two hundred dollars for a piece of polyester. It was like wow. so ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's, and it's I found insane. and that was yeah, that was the first time I found Alibaba, you know, Chinese suppliers and stuff. And I found them I found a supplier that would do it for nine dollars a piece. And, and that kind of was the segue into, you know, learning about custom printing and stuff like that. We started a website called cheapcustomprinting.com mm-hmm. and, and that was the beginning kind of. So it, I didn't, I was never like somebody that knew anything about this industry. I just yeah. kind of like stumbled into it a bit. For sure. Um, yeah, I know. I, I know you like said you didn't want to ramble, but like this, this that kind of stuff that's like super important. Uh, and, you know, it's a foundation for like what yeah. you like, who you are, and why you ended up like. 
doing what you did and how you ended up like in the position that you're in. So I think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, might be in stage like one of, of where you were and now you're like in stage like five or whatever. And, and yeah. they're like, Oh, I don't, I, I don't know how I'm going to get there. And like hearing stuff like this, they're like, yeah, you know, there's so many ways there's so many things I can do. So that's always helpful um, to, to pretty much everyone's helpful to me. Um, yeah. I think one of the most interesting times that, that I think a lot of people can relate, especially like our age is, yeah, so I left school. I immediately started working with a, an NFL player. Like we became business partners. So it's kind oh, of a, wow. a weird change of events. But yeah. we, it was he's a guy who played on the uh, on the Giants, Steve Weatherford, and me and him. You know, went we we went for a workout one day in, in Florida through my dad. I knew him, and we just kind of hit it off about business and fitness and and lifestyle and stuff. And and we we're like, you know what? I want to start. We, let's start a business together. He was just getting out of the NFL and wanted to kind of make his name in the fitness space he was uh-huh. kind of known for fitness in the nfl so you know we launched we launched some different fitness training programs and and we did really well like i was helping him build out his content on social media and mm-hmm. youtube and snapchat and building like a really loyal following that would you know basically just be there for anything that he launched like you know a really like you know raving fans that were ready to buy anything that we yeah. kind of create um and did that for like about 10 months I was literally would go everywhere with him like we traveled to California we go to charity events I lived at his house like all this kind of stuff and it was a, a ton of really great experience and meeting a lot of really good people and you know helped me kind of mature very quickly as well wow um, yeah I mean that must have been crazy like just hanging out yeah. with like a former like t- NFL I was player 20 years old 20, yeah 21. it's like you're living the the glamorous life probably yeah it was we we, we were meeting with everyone I mean it, it was a lot of fun but at the same time I kind of found myself kind of living in his shadow a little bit, like supporting his life. And, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of want to be at the forefront mm-hmm. and like, you know, be the one that's innovating and be the one that's taking control of things and not feel like you're being like brought along for a ride that someone else is, you yeah. know? So that's kind of what it felt like. And, you know, I just decided on a whim to just stop doing it, even though I knew there was so much potential at that time. Like there was so much more that we can do together. But for me, it's never been about like, Oh, like money or, or opportunity. Cause I knew I can always create my own opportunity. Like I, I wasn't going to stay in a situation that I didn't like just because like for money or something like that, you know, cause I I'll figure it out. But it kind of left me like in this situation where I wasn't really sure what to do. Cause I, I just stopped working with him and I was like kind of for three months, just like kind of lost a little bit, Yeah, you know? And I think a lot of people feel like this. They're like, you know, they might get out of college and they're like lost. They don't know like, what step to take next? So I go, well, I can get this job. I don't really want to get this job. I want to do something else, but I'm not really sure what I'm passionate about. Like what direction do I go in? And that was kind of me. I would just wake up every day at 10, 11, 12 o'clock. <laughs> you know, I'd go to the gym. I was in great shape because I didn't have anything else to do, you yeah. know? And, and it, it was you. And I think when you're growing up, you're like, Oh, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to have a job. Like I just want to do nothing. Like that's the ideal life. And then when you do that for a couple of days or a week or a month, sucks. you realize it's the worst <laughs> thing ever. You know, if you're not stimulated and passionate about something yeah. every day, then you just wither. Like you have nothing to look forward to any day. Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but yeah, I mean, for, for sure. It's like, I feel like if I'm not, if I'm not working on something productive, if I'm not like hanging out with people that I care about, um, you know, make doing like meaningful stuff, like building, uh, you know, connections, things like that. If I'm not, um, just, you know, in a, in a place where I think I'm, I'm growing as a person, um, and it doesn't matter like which regard, like it could be anything, you know what I mean? You could do anything really and, and, and become better. I think that I, I, I genuinely start to feel bad. It's like, I feel like I wasted 
a day or a week or just like my time, you know, and that's the only thing you really don't get back. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, to I totally feel that. And I think, I think most people actually do feel that, like, even though they might not realize it or they might not admit it, but like, I think most people, if they kind of do the exact same thing over and over again, or if they're not stimulated, they start to feel that something's off and, and it's just like not, you know, what they're looking for. Yeah. And, I th and then the issue then is what do you do about that? You know? And I think there's, way too many people i don't want to like tell people how to live their life but i think there's way too many people that allow themselves to feel like that for very prolonged periods of time you know yeah not months like years and years and, yeah. and, even, and even decades you know there's people that stay in the same job for 20 30 40 years continue to make the same complaints continue to feel the same way depressed about the situation they're in and then continue to allow it to happen yeah and at that point it's like there's nobody to blame but yourself because you're the one that allows yourself to stay in these situations yeah so i like i said i've always been the type of person to you know, I, I let that one linger on for a little bit like two three months but if if i don't like a situation then i just leave you know like the same thing with school i, I didn't want to be there i just left i don't you you can't wait for permission from people you know at, at the end of the day it's your life yeah um and you have to make the best decisions for yourself so and, and you live with the consequences of it but I, so i get kind of wandered around for like two three months and then a family friend of mine who has like a venture capital slash like startup advisory firm mm -hmm. we we're just talking like we're really close and he was just like hey why don't you just come work with me like i talk to a lot of startups every day it's it's interesting i think you can help us a lot you know no strings attached like if if it's not for you like uh, no big deal yeah. so i was like you know what pretty good deal yeah i've got nothing else going on let's try it you know i started commuting to the city every day you know go in and it was really interesting because i'm at the time i'm like a 21 year old kid something like that and and going into these meetings with these startups that have raised millions of dollars and telling them how to run their business you know wow. <laughs> or or like evaluating their business model and like giving them input it was like very hands-on you know there, we were doing these deep dive consulting sessions and it was just two or three of us with like their ceo and cmo and like the main people at their company All right one of the companies we we advised was like multi-hundred million dollar company that um it wasn't like healthcare.com but it was something like that it was like just a huge like um they did a lot of like arbitrage for selling ads and doing search engine optimization and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. but um, but yeah, so it was a really good experience and, and just got me back into the startup culture again and being around it and, you know, going to startup events and, you know, getting the newsletters going and, and on being on PitchBook and seeing what companies are raising money. And that kind of reignited my, you know, entrepreneurial drive and, and really got me back in thinking about custom printing and swag and, and merchandise and stuff like that. I was like, you know what, there's so much money going around right now in startup world, and, you know, especially in New York companies are getting millions and billions of dollars in funding, you know, and employee culture and, 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 you know, companies brands are so important right now and swag plays a huge role in it. You know, the, when you, when you start your company, it's like the first thing you do, you like make a logo, you get business cards, you get swag. And the same thing with like these companies that have big funding, like we work and, you know, all these big companies out in New York city, like they all have so much swag. They were, you know, everyone's promoting it and yeah. everyone wants their, employees to feel like they're part of a family and a culture but there was no brand that really stuck out mm -hmm. you know that stood out to me as like the fun swag company you yeah know? There's, there's like i don't think there is one no, no there there really isn't i mean there's there was for business cards like moo was well known as being really high quality and, and like a fun young brand that kind of got it yeah um same thing with like sticker mule like their branding could use some work but like 
they're definitely they just do things differently and really I think it comes down to being like very customer centric and understanding customers. I think all the promotional products companies and and we don't really think of ourselves as a promotional products com- uh, company, but all of those businesses like the four imprints and the e promos and Vista prints and all these companies they just their websites first off look like they're from like nineteen ninety eight you go on their websites they have six thousand journal options like who wants to get if if I want a journal you know, my company, I, I work at Facebook, I have a new team, I want to get notebooks for people. Do I want to go on a website, type in journals and see 6,000 options, yeah. half of which are like it's $2 like the, and not even worth giving to anybody? Yeah, it's like the paradox yeah. of choice. You have no idea. Exactly. And then you're I just like, book. I gotta, I gotta leave. I have I that book do downstairs. So that was kind of the idea. It was like, there's a huge industry, tons of old fashioned companies, and they're all selling the same garbage, showing way too many options, and they're all trying to beat each other up on price. I was like, let's create a brand in this space that, you know, really appeals to startups and and startup culture and really understands what they want and, and, and go with that and see what happens. So I just literally one day just made like a Wix website and called it startup swag. Um, And that was the, you know, initial kind of seeds of what swag up is now. It's just made a, made a little site, started a type form and, and just kind of curated the selection down to like six or 10 good items for each category. Mm -hmm. And just, just like, Hey, like, put it out there and, and yeah we just started to get was that leads. just like off the top like your list or did you actually what? go out like your curated list of like six to ten items you just kind of thought what what do you thought would make sense or did you go and like talk to people nah, i didn't really talk to people i just kind of like i think i have a decent sense of like what looks good to a degree and and like not like style but just like a good perception of what people want and so I, w- I just would do research and look at all the different suppliers and find different items that i thought were like on trend and and people would want and I mean, our selection then is nothing to what it is now. Like we, we're every day we're like testing and seeing new items and talking to new suppliers. And I just got back from Vegas the other day because I was at the a big conference. It's like the big industry conference where mm-hmm. all the suppliers go to. Um, so we were testing out different like backpacks and seeing you know all the new Nike stuff and like just constantly looking for like what's new and different and and high quality and usable. Like the the whole thing is it has to be usable. Like we focus not on promotional products like i said like i don't really think swag is that useful when it's like giveaways yeah, when it's like one two three dollar stuff that you just give out like i think you're better off just not giving it out to mm-hmm. me the biggest roi that you can get on swag is to give it to people that are part of your organization yeah. who rep it and make it feel like they're really and part I of can, a family i can like talk about this. so when i i when i started at Wibbits like almost a year ago you know i i came there i sat down at my desk like on the first day and there's like a little swag box and it's yeah. like you know, it feels nice. You know, you just feel like welcome as an employee um, that, you know, they care about you. They guide you all this like nice stuff. A lot of it's useful, especially like the those notebooks, um, like the little ones where you can like write stuff. I think those yeah. are, you know, super great. You know, obviously shirts. Uh, you just feel like proud. That. Like you can go out yeah. and about and you rep the stuff. It's yeah. like when you go to if you go to a nice school or something, you want to like go you go straight to the bookstore to get the T-shirt and you go straight to the bookstore yeah. to get the bottle and stuff. And you want you're proud to show your friends that you're like, hey, like this is a part of the company. I'm I'm with this company. It's a great place to work. You recruit your friends to come work there, mm-hmm. like so that five dollar t-shirt, ten dollar t-shirt turns into like ten to thousands times ROI on it because it's like you're you know that person feels like you know it, it makes them much less likely to leave your company because they feel like they're part of something bigger. You yeah. Know? So so that's what we focus on. You know the focus for for swag up and and it kind of has evolved. You know, we kind of always listen to what customers want. You know, we didn't start off selling swag packs. Um, that's kind of what we evolved to focus on just because of 
you know, just getting some early feedback from people on what they wanted. Um, same thing with like the storage and fulfillment. Like we, we ran this company out of my mom's house to begin yeah. with. And we basically <laughs> turned my mom's. Yeah. It was really like it was her garage. It was a garage that was turned into like a room, but it was te- it was it used to be a garage. Yeah. Um, and we literally turned it into a makeshift warehouse where every day we'd have 20, 30 packages coming in and people are like so confused, like the mailman and stuff. Like, <laughs> why is there why is there a wall of boxes coming in? And yeah. my house was just overflowing with boxes. Um, and, and eventually we, we moved into like a 3000 square foot spot, which lasted, I thought it was going to last forever. I was like, wow, this place is huge. And within six months we moved out of that, um, to this spot now that's 13,000 square yeah. feet. I mean, this place is huge. Like forever, for yeah. everyone listening, this is like a big, big place. I, uh, I like walked in and I saw kind of the, the, the first part and I was like, wow, it's a pretty big office. <laughs> and then the there's like doors. an entire back room filled with uh, merchandise from like all these different companies. There's an upstairs, um, really, really big place. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to outgrow this pretty soon in terms of like operations, like, cause it's, it's not really a warehouse. It's more of just like a cool building that we're using as a warehouse. But eventually we're going to have to move to a place with like a loading dock and a lot more room to set up the operation, yeah. right? Thinking like staying like in this area or? Probably. We're always going to keep this building, I think, though, as like our HQ. Because yeah. I want to I turn this into like a fantasy factory. Like I was saying, <laughs> I want to get a bunch of like scooters. I want to get like trampolines built into it. We have the basketball court down there now. I just want to, I want to like get a golf simulator or something. Yeah. Like all this stuff and just make this one huge, like amazing place to hang out. Uh, Cause I've always been into like Rob Deerdeck, like when he had the fancy factory and stuff, like I always thought that was the craziest thing. And I love like toys and, and cars and stuff like that. So, you know, that, that's the plan for yeah. this spot. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking around. You got like a little swing here. It's, it's starting to, starting to add up. Uh, it's getting there. The, the slides next, the slide yeah. has to come next. <laughs> Just slide right down to lunch every day. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, and let's so let's kind of like start hitting a little bit uh, into like the the metrics, like where you guys are at. Um, can you kind of just give us like a little overview on um, in terms of fundraising? Have you guys raised money? If mm-hmm. so, how much money have you raised? Um, employees, like how many people do you have actually working for you or, mm-hmm. or with you? Um, pretty much like uh, th- throughout where, where they're located. Yeah. Um, and then also if you'd want to kind of just briefly kind of talk about like your revenue numbers, you know, what did you guys do last year? What are you trying to do in, uh, in 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, I like to make it hard for myself. You know, we didn't raise any money. <laughs> wow. We, yeah. We didn't raise any money. We definitely could. I started it when yeah, I, I left. I couldn't find anything. So I was, yeah, yeah, I was we didn't raise wondering. any money. Yeah. Um, you know, when I left working with the NFL player, you know, I made, I don't know, maybe 30, 35,000 or something like nothing crazy. Just like a few months. Uh, it was, like, I don't know, maybe like, we were, we were working together for like eight months or something. Yeah. Um, and like I said, there was a lot more potential to make a lot more over time, but so I, I had like 30,000, 35,000 or something. So basically used that, like I didn't use it right away. Cause like I said, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but when I decided to start it, I pretty much used that, um, to start the business. And it's not necessarily a business that needs a lot of startup capital, you know, because mm-hmm. you're not, you don't have inventory, you know, because when a when a company places an order from us, we then place an order, you know. So it's easy to uh, kind of stay gotcha, yeah. nimble in the beginning with a small team. Um, so that's how we were kind of able to get out of the gates in the beginning. But the first, I would say four to, f- about f- the first four months though, we weren't, we we're barely doing any sales. We were losing money every month. So my 30,000... <laughs> 
30, 35,000 was slowly, not, not that slowly dwindling down to almost nothing. I mean, yeah. there was a time I went to the Giants versus the Denver Broncos game, like 2017. Um, I don't know. It was like November or Nove- November or something like that. And, and we had started in May, um, May of 2017. So it was like five months in. Um, and like I said, the first five months, we didn't really do much of anything in terms of business. And I had to fly back and I literally traded my buddy credit card points that I had for a flight because yeah. I, I didn't want to <laughs> spend any more money. I was like, you know, I, I think I might've had like 1500 or $2,000 off at the, at the time. And I was like, Hey, can, you know, can you buy my credit card? He loved credit card points. I was like, can you buy my credit card points for like $300? I got to buy this flight back from, from Denver. So it wasn't like it wasn't a pure straight shot up to the moon like when, when mm-hmm. we started it. And I think that's something that people need to realize is like you might have a lot of conviction in what you're doing and you might be onto something great, but just because it didn't like get off the ground super quickly doesn't mean that it's not a great idea or or that it's not going to become successful. Yeah. You know, things take time to start to materialize and things take time to start to, you know, get the word out and for you to figure out how to market and and for you to kind of figure out what you are as a business. So you have to be able to kind of sustain those. Sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years where people are telling you you're not doing well or you're financially not doing well. Luckily, we got out of it pretty quickly, but um, you know, it's easy. It's very easy to quit in those those months and years where things aren't going well. And I think yeah. a lot of people do quit when they start to you know hit some resistance. Um, but then all of a sudden, you know, the catalyst was kind of working with consensus the big um you know blockchain company yeah they basically are the f- proprietors behind ethereum and kind of build all these sub businesses off of it to kind of enhance the ecosystem and mm-hmm. they were like our first main customer um I th- you know they spent a lot of money with us over the years and they kind of gave us the idea to get into storage and fulfillment Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, definitely check out part two. Would love to kind of hear your feedback. Let me know if anything stuck out. Put it on social, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever. And I hope you guys enjoy part two.